and there's some sex involved. Like it's got everything. <laughs> it's got action. It's got sex. It's got crime and mystery. Pretty much. I finally watched. 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 Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched Mother. So I don't know what possessed me to see this in theaters when it came out. I um I took some friends to a theater in Gainesville. It was like it's like a small theater that did like independent foreign movies. And for some reason I think I had seen something else at the theater and I saw a trailer for this and I was like, that looks interesting. Um, so it took some friends to go see it. And I think this may have been my first Bong Joon-ho movie. I can't remember if I had seen the host before this. And um, I mean, it just, it opens with this dancing scene and you just don't know like what you're in for after that. And I went and saw it with uh, my friend Zach that you met. And uh, just afterwards, just every time we thought of it, just laughed at like, just thinking about it because it's such a crazy opening. And then like kind of as you go through the movie and sort of realize, and then you get to a point where you kind of see the lead up to where that dance started. And it sort of takes on this whole new, new meaning. Um, This is also a movie that if you go into it, not knowing anything and then like watch the whole thing, I think it sticks with you. It's one that you like think about afterwards and are just like, impressed by but maybe not don't feel good about but like <laughs> it's just such a well done movie and i really wanted you to watch it so what did you think yeah it's definitely one of those well what's interesting about the beginning right with the dancing is i thought to myself i was like our hero folks right like it's an interesting placement to put the character as almost like a crazy person. Like that's kind of like the, what you get off of like someone just randomly dancing in the field. Um, And then I don't know, we, you know, I just came off from watching man from nowhere, which was like a full on action movie. And even though, Mem- uh, Memories of Murder wasn't a full-on action movie. There were some pretty, like, you know, pretty f- high-paced uh, scenes in that film too. And kind of knowing what this movie is about, you know, this mother's trying to prove her son's innocence. So there's like uh, investigation and police, and you know, kind of that feel right of it. So you you think knowing that watching the opening scene that this is our main character, the mother who's going to go and like trying to not kick ass, but like, you know, try to uh, investigate her, her, her son's crime or alleged crime. And I was like, Oh, why are they making her out to be like this insane person? But then you find out like 
no one's a good person in this movie. Like the person you're like subsequently rooting for is not even a person you want to root for. But then by the time you learn that it's kind of too late for you as the audience. And so I found that really interesting. And, and with like Bong Joon-ho's style of filmmaking, it's kind of reliant on his twists a bit some of his movies are i don't say i don't think the host uh host is very reliant on a twist but his other movies are and what felt weird and you said this was one of his first movies i wasn't looking for a twist this is one right? of the first ones i saw but it was, this is like his third or fourth uh i mean that's still like pretty early in his career right never nevertheless um I I wasn't looking for a twist. I wasn't waiting for a twist. So when the ending happened, it caught me really uh, by surprise. And so then, yeah, because then at that point, when the ending of the movie kind of catches up to the beginning of the movie, uh, you, you aren't rooting for her. She is a crazy person. And so it's, it's just, uh, I found it very interesting. I also want to mention so I know this is our month of, you know, Korean movies and, and we've dedicated it uh, to that. But also this is a, a month that you have seen all these films and I have not seen any of them. That's because every Korean movie you've seen is because I've either told you to or made you watch it up until now. And continuing. That's, that's true. That's true. It's It's interesting, too, because it's... Uh, I don't know why. And for me to be such a cinephile, but it's just like this, this whole genre, this whole like nationality of films, I was just very much not aware of. So are there any international films that you watch? Like, like at all? Yeah, of course. No, but I'm just saying as far as like Korean films was just totally under my radar before I met you. I don't know. I don't know. What country's films are you really into? What country's films am I really into? Yeah, besides the U.S. England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. James yeah. Bond. Yeah, man. <laughs> Clive Owen. Oh, shit. Uh, Love his films. I mean, Children uh, of Men. I don't, know, I don't know if that counts. Oh, damn. No, I mean, you know, I've seen... I've seen... Um, City of God. City of God? Uh... Amelie, I've seen. Sound of Music is a German flick, right? I don't know. I think it takes uh, place in Germany, Austria, but. Uh, have you seen Chocolate? What does that count? Does that count? What's that count? <laughs> I don't think Johnny Depp is <laughs> as French as he comes off. I, did, I mean, he, he bedded a French lady. I don't know if they ever got married, but. Um, let's get into it. Uh, so it starts with this dancing. I'd like to tell you that I fought the good fight and didn't laugh when I saw this the first time, but I, I didn't. Um, and I think this, it's, I I was reading some, uh, an article, you you know, it's interesting as a starting point too, is like, I think Bong Joon-ho has been making bangers for a while and I think Snowpiercer is kind of like an entry point for a lot of people. 
because it was, you know, English speaking. But it's still, that was an under the radar movie where you could just talk to many people and be like, have you seen Snowpiercer? And they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you'd be like, go to Netflix and watch Snowpiercer. <laughs> right. And then Oakja was an actual Netflix movie that's just like always on there now. Um, but I think Parasite is when he really blew up in the States, you know, where everyone now knows who that is. And, you know, the Oscars, I think, helped that too. And so trying to find a lot of information about Mother is difficult. You know what I mean? So, but one thing I did read an interview with him um, and he, he talked about how that opening dance is supposed to make you laugh, make you wonder, is this woman crazy or is she going to become crazy throughout the movie? Um, and I think one of the big like themes, I feel weird talking this way, but one of the big themes in this movie is like, is, is this movie about her journey into madness or was she always that way? You know what I mean? Like, was she, was, she, was she always a crazy person or did she become, you know, evil? And I think, like, I'm on the side of, like, she always kind of had this in her. And I think the movie does a good job of laying that out. I think an interesting, uh, another theme that the movie kind of uh, tries to lay out is, is evil hereditary? Like, is is bad deeds hereditary? And I think... You know, part of what the movie is trying to say towards the end is maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't laugh, but I just thought it was odd, like the beginning scene. So once we get past that, we're like in a shop uh, that is run by our main character, the mother character. And she's yeah, cutting. I, I, think, I think she works there, right? For that lady who kind of gets onto her about doing acupuncture and shit. So she were I thought she was more like the landlord. So she works at that shop. I thought it was her own shop. Oh, I'm not sure too cuz she has a lot of money, but I don't really know like I don't really know like the exchange rates for this Yeah, movie she either. has a she has a shitload of money. Where does she get that money? I like to think that she just like she lives a simple life so she even though she's been working all these years, she doesn't really spend a bunch on anything. Um yeah, I don't know. So, uh, she's cutting wheat. Is it wheat? I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and she sees her son getting Dan messed with. Well, no, he's dancing with a dog to begin with, right? And then, oh, that's right, that's right. He's dancing with the dog, and he gets hit by a car. And the build up to that is like she's chopping the wheat with like what looks like I, I related to looking like a paper cutter, right? And so yeah. she gets her fingers too close because she's paying attention to her son who gets hit by a, a car that goes on a hit hit and run. And um, she gets distracted by that and she cuts like the tip of her finger off. But um, she chases she chases after him and then he chases after the car with his friend. Uh, and, and this, this is where it's interesting. So, so much is established right off the bat. One, her overprotectiveness of her adult son is very clearly uh, obvious here. And the other thing is how much of an idiot her son is like, even forgetting the color of the car that hit him and like had to be reminded like, Oh, it's this color. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's that color. So it's like, not only is he stupid, but he's easily like persuaded into stuff. I don't think you can talk about him that way. I think he's special. So the movie never I goes in. I don't know if he's special. 
he seems pretty fucking special. That's why, I mean, like, I'm, I'm also wondering, like, would he really go to jail for 15 years? Because if he committed a murder, I feel like there's the mitigating circumstances of the fact that he's like, like, if he took an IQ test, I think he would be on an end to where they would be like, okay, you meet the requirements for whatever they would call it. You know what I mean? Whatever we're allowed to call it in 2022. Um, so I, I, I think the movie does a good job of presenting that that's, he is like very slow, but at the same time, not going into details, right. About like what, you know, what exactly. And, and that's the thing too, is like the reason it would do that is because this mother is never going to go get him tested. Right. Cause he's like a perfectly normal boy. This is like her love, like her boy that she loves. Right. So she's probably not going to go out and get like someone tell her there's something wrong with him. Plus, also where they live, are there tests for that? Can they afford tests for that? Like, there, there's a lot of you know circumstances that apply to this specific situation. Also, what I was wondering too is that it seemed like he was at his most intelligent when he was in jail, which we'll get to pretty soon, because he doesn't have like the reliance of his mom the entire time you know for for every decision that he he makes um well, it's just he just has to do the temples of doom right right no but seriously though right like he he comes to like more of a conclusion about like different things well maybe that shit she was giving him made him stupid she's like take like, your medicine maybe that kept him dumb oh i thought that medicine was because of the car accident I think, I don't know. I think she just gave it, you know, she believed in these like homeopathic remedies, acupuncture, things like that. So it's probably just like some tea that she made him well, drink and yeah. called this medicine. Another thing you could think of is his slowness or whatever we're allowed to call it in 2022 um, could have stemmed from poisoning him when he was little. And it could have like stunt his uh, mental growth, mental growth from then on. Cause he was like, what, four or five years old. Yeah, and I want to talk about that too when we get to it. But so the the next scene is they they get in a car and uh, his friend Jinte is like we're heading to the golf course and he's like, uh, the son is like why and he's like where else would a, a Mercedes go in this town? And that's one thing that's really cool about um, Bong Joon Ho movies. Uh, a lot of them like Memories of Murder, this one. Um, it's like these small towns that like especially for an American audience are like you kind of just buy everything about it because like, how would you know any different, you know, and parasite takes place in Seoul. Um, but a lot of these earlier movies, I guess maybe what the host probably takes place in Seoul too. I can't remember, but some of these earlier movies to kind of just take place in like this small town. But um, even in Seoul, it's like a, a small district of Seoul, right? Cause I'm thinking in parasite when the streets were flooded, that's a very specific place that that happens in. Right. So we're just, to be believed that this all this can happen also a lot of uh, bong joon ho movies deal with like class like the lower class versus the upper class and i found that interesting too in his films they also shit on police quite a bit <laughs> yeah that's true too you cannot accuse this of being propaganda so i love when they get to the golf course Jin Tae kicks off the mirror and then the son tries to and just completely fucking misses. Yeah. It's like such a good slapstick comedy. And um, uh, another good slapstick comedy is when they're waiting uh, in the trees for the golf cart to come by. And he, he comes out, he stands in the middle of the, of the walk of the driveway or whatever. 
um, pathway. And then he sees the golf cart coming and he just runs right back into the forest. It's called a cart path in golf. Yeah. And then uh, Jinte, Jinte then like goes out and then starts chasing after them. And then the fight is so funny. Um, and, you know, you talked about how he, he likes to talk about class. And there's this really funny line when they're all in the station. The one guy's like, hey, this person is too important to be here. And everyone just looks at him like, what the, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because, like, in 2009, when that, when that line happened, so like, oh, that's, like, really interesting. It's, like, a cool little thing. But after seeing Parasite and what he does next, that movie's all about, like, class and wealth. The, the line almost feels like a little too on the nose, having seen this now, like, years after watching Parasite. Um, but it is just, it's really interesting. And I, I love, then you get to the police work aspect of it, which is, like, covered in detail in Memories of Murder. But, like, here the, co- the detective, the main one that we see all the time, is like, all right, well, the assault and the hit and run cancel each other out. So you guys just need to settle this for some amount of money. And then the guy's like, well, he kicked off my mirror. And the cop's just like, oh, you fucking idiot. All right, well, no, no, you don't get anything. You got to pay him back for his mirror. You know what I mean? Like, it's just funny the way the cop's like, basically like avoiding paperwork. He's like, I don't want to deal with this. So <laughs> one thing that this uh, cop negotiation thing establishes is that whenever anyone calls the son, I'm just going to say this because this is the word they use in the movie. Um, but anytime that anyone calls the son a retard, he goes off on them. He becomes belligerently angry and violent. Um, and this becomes very important later in the film. And we'll get to that. But I'm, I, I like when movies do this sort of thing, like they hint at something small and then it's a big payoff in the end what's interesting about this and i think this does it well is this doesn't and just do it here this one time and then you're expected to remember it until the very end where it pays off it happens a little bit here a little bit in the middle of the movie a little bit three quarters of the way into the movie and then finally it's the big payoff so i think when he puts like um and 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 the payoff which is kind of like the twist in this film really works because we're giving these breadcrumbs of this moment throughout the film. So I think, I think it's kind of just very well done all around. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, so there's the moment here where the, the guy calls him retard, he's attacks him. Right. And so then you're like, oh, okay, this guy's a little violent. And then the mom comes in and all the cops are like, oh shit, she's here. And it's like, oh, why do the cops know the mother so well? Is it because it's a small town or is it because this kid gets in trouble a lot? Her son gets in trouble a lot and they have to deal with him and then the mother. Um, And so but by the time he gets called uh, a retard again when he's in prison. And he picks up the prison yard fight. Yeah, You're kind of almost pretty sure that he's like innocent. Like we're kind of down this path of like the mom proving his innocence. So it's like the breadcrumb is there, but the, also you've been pointed in another direction. So you're not even looking that, at that really. And that's like the brilliance of the way it's written. Not only that, but that is the scene where she goes, why did you fight? Why did you do this? And he goes, you told me to defend myself anytime someone was making fun of me. 
and so that's like another breadcrumb where it lies on like this it's the son's actions but it's the way the mother uh raised him right yeah no absolutely um and then like you get like sort of their their weird relationship more is because she like the next day she's like feeding him and she's like watching him pee on the wall and just like staring at him as he's doing it like checking to make sure that everything's like okay and then she hands him the medicine to drink like this the the tea right one of the biggest visual um like i don't know allegories or how how this just kind of lays out is he's peeing on the wall she's feeding him medicine so he's drinking the medicine from her hand as you see his pee running down the sidewalk it's this it's this very weird i don't know i i thought i was like oh that's cool but also very grossed out by the whole thing right well and and also too is when they're in the police station they uh they bring up the mirror and jin tae's like oh you idiot you broke the mirror which establishes one jin tae's not a good person and two that the son um is easily like can be tricked into believing something about himself right like right. you can trick him into believing that he did something that he didn't. Um, and then, so the next scene we get to is when the son is drunk and he's talking to some woman and you're like, why is this woman here? Why is she talking to him? And the woman's like, you told me Jinte was coming. And at first you don't understand why she would want to talk with Jinte. And then you see her daughter Mina come in, but I guess something I'm trying to figure out is because, you know, we're shown the son being interested in Mina and then later on, there's a scene where Jinte sleeps with Mina, and then you find out he's just continually been sleeping with her. And I think the that woman was Mina's mother who was sitting with the son, and she was like, you told me Jinte was going to be here because that's her daughter's boyfriend, right? Like, I feel like that's why, but it's never really explained. Like, the Jinte, I was trying to figure out, did Jinte steal Mina from the son? Because Mina's always, like, waving at him, but then when you yeah. go... Th- when you I, go th- when you go through everything, you realize Mina is waving at her boyfriend's best friend or friend. Right. Uh, so another thing about the twist in this whole movie as a whole is that it, it it's like giving you as the audience pieces of information while not giving you the full um, the full information, the full, uh, you know, vision of the, of the, of the big picture. So it's like, it's like, yeah, at first you think that Mina's is almost flirting with the sun because the way she's like saying hi and going out of her way. And even though her mom is trying to stop her from saying hi, she's like, you know, I want to say hi to him. It's almost like, like this, like I said, like a flirting thing. And then he's really drunk. So he flirts back. And so you think, and she seems to like, like it, like she doesn't seem to mind it or, or be disgusted by it. So, so you have that. And then, like you said, you find out that Jinte has been sleeping with Mina the entire time. So now is, is it, is it that she was liking his, the son's flirtatiousness towards her? Or was it, is she was just tolerating it because it's her boyfriend's best friend. Right. Right. And, yeah, and then the the next scene we get to, and I'm getting my movies mixed up, right? But so, like, 
uh, <laughs> the son leaves and she's and the, the, the woman that owns the restaurant is like, you need to have your mom come and pay for this, which I guess is a normal thing that happens. And then he tries to pay her in golf balls, which like, right. earlier, earlier we saw him writing his name on golf balls, which becomes important. Well, he was stealing, he was stealing the golf balls out of the lake of the country club before they beat up on the golfers. Yeah. I don't know if that's technically stealing. He was really wasn't supposed to be on the golf course. So maybe, um, but so there's this scene right afterwards where he's following this girl and he's kind of like, he's drunk and he's been talking about how he's going to sleep with a woman and he wants to. Um, and he's like, what, well, you know, saying, Hey to her and Hey to her. And she's ignoring him. And, she, and uh, he's like, what, do you not like men? Um, and then he gets a rock thrown at him and we only see the rock thrown at him. He kind of looks and then he runs away. And this is one, I don't want to say nitpick with the movie, but it's interesting when, when a movie has to like give you a false narrative of, of you think what you're watching is a, like a third person view of a situation. And then when you, when you go back to it, you're basically watching the son's interpretation of what happened, what he remembers has happened in the situation right. that the rock was thrown at him and then he left, which right. we come to find out yeah. is not I, what happened. I agree with you on that. It, how could they have done it better? I don't know. Like, well, if well, yeah, so, well, I think what they could have done is this: is like when they show it from the old man's perspective later on, is have the rock thrown at him. And him start walking away, and then she talked to him, which honestly may have happened. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. But if they had done it exactly that way, then maybe that would have worked. Maybe that is what happened. But I don't. Th- I thought she threw the rock, and he just stood there. And then she was like, "Why did you ask if I don't like men?" Uh, you know, and then calls him a retard, and that sets him off. But well, so what's interesting too is that when we see it from quote unquote his perspective the first time, um, the alley is so dark like so dark that we don't even know who threw the rock. It could have been the murderer for all we knew. And I think that is almost like what we were supposed to think is that when she went into that alleyway, she might've died immediately there. Right. And so like the person who threw the rock could have been not her. I think that's what Bong Joon-ho wanted us to think. Uh, And then when we're given that other perspective, yeah, it's 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 more of a played out version. Yeah, I wish I'd had a little bit more time to go back and just like compare the two scenes back and forth to see. But like in watching it the one time, I when I f- saw the first scene, I kind of noted that like I don't think that makes sense with what happens. And so, I mean, arguably though, you can't say you're showing it from the son's perspective, and this is like an unreliable narrator. But really, the movie is never from one person's perspective. It's sort of this like third person shifting thing the end the last half of the movie is obviously mostly from the mother but um you know it's kind of only a minor nitpick um and we also at this time saw jinte um picking up a driver from the golf range so it's like we definitely don't think he was involved with any of this um and then it's the next morning yeah it's the next morning and the and the girl is found dead on the roof of the building uh, where that whole incident with her and the son happened. And so right away, the police think it's him because they find his golf ball that has his name written on it at the crime scene. 
Yeah, but you um, know what, what's interesting, and this is one I was talking about with like the way that Bong Joon Ho like paints police and like this and memories of murder, is like one they start talking about how they haven't had a murder in like they're like when's the last murder and the guy's like before I came here and they're like really that long right, and so then you immediately cut to the police start harassing the son. Um, and the mom sees this and she's watching it as like, she's being told like, Hey, you're doing acupuncture without a license. You can get in trouble. And then she sees the police grab him and throw him into a car. And you're like, you know, if you've seen memories of murder before this, you're like, Oh, here we go. The police just choosing the, the slow guy because they know they can get a confession out of him. Right. And I love the car, the car accident beforehand, just showing how bumbling they are. Like they're, the guy's not even paying attention as they're driving. And then him putting the handcuffs on the sun after they crash just to make sure he can't get away. But you cut to them in the police station. Um, first of all, the sun's doing shadow puppets. I love, but they immediately start like, you know, the one threatening puts, him, threatening him. The one dude puts an apple in his mouth um, and kicks it out of his mouth. They have a confession already written up and you're like, Oh God, like same as always. Right. And then like, after it's almost done, you're like, oh, by the way, we found the golf ball that you wrote your fucking name on. I was like, oh, why did we lead with this, guys? Like, okay, it makes sense now. The whole the whole thing is that it it establishes so many things so well in the beginning, right? Like, he's an idiot, and the police are bumbling fools, and Jintae's not a good person, and the mother's overprotective. And all this is just to lead to the fact that you're supposed to believe that the son is innocent and the mom is going to find out who really killed the girl. There's a couple of things I want to say before we move on, though. One is one of the cops asks the son if he knows what Sapak Takraw is. And I'm not pronouncing that right. Do you remember mm-hmm. that where you ask him? He's like, have you heard of the sport? It's right before he kicks the apple out of his head. Right. Let me just say that this is one of my favorite sports that I never get to watch because it's like mostly dominant in Asian countries. It is basically volleyball, except the vo- it's like volleyball with a small net and, and you're playing with like what is looks like a hacky sack and you can only use your feet. So you have <laughs> dudes who are kicking it up, setting it up for another guy, and then a guy does a fucking backflip and spikes it with his foot on the other side. It's the most wild shit you've ever seen. And I recommend. How do you even stop that? You have to stop it with your foot. You can just stopping that. You got to try and block it. I don't know, man. It's, it's fucking nuts. It's like so crazy to watch for a while. I was like, I want to look when they have like the championships so we can like plan a trip. around like going to it. Cause I was like, this is so fucking cool. Um, so if you can look that sport up, uh, you should do it. And, and the other thing, too, is like when they're trying to get him to confess, the cops talk about like, oh, you know, if you confess, we can get leniency, which is like, you know, classic like cop thing. But they're also like, oh, you know, you probably didn't mean to do it. You're not a bad guy. And the son's like, I can be bad. And they're, they all like look at each other like, oh, OK, I think we got him. Yeah, of course, things top 10 things not to say when you're in police custody, uh, you know, suspected of a murder. Yeah, I don't think the cops ever try the reverse psychology. You're not even capable of murder. Yes, I am. I'm. I can do murder. Also, wasn't he while he was like before he followed uh, Moon into the alleyway or near the house or whatever? Didn't he like throw those golf balls like away? 
I don't remember. He took a lot of golf balls. So I don't yeah. remember what like what he did with all of them. Just so happens to have the one he wrote his name on near the near the body. Yeah, I know. That well, we actually made... find out we found out why later on that golf ball was there. So wait, why was it? I, I missed that part. Because he he did spoiler alert. He did kill her. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think we see him like drop it or anything. <laughs> No, we don't. But we also don't have to, right? Like all the information is is set there, anyways. Like I'm sure it fell out of his pocket when he was dragging her up the stairs or something. Yeah, and so the next scene, we get the mother who comes up and she's like, "You know, what did you, what did you do? Did you did you couldn't have done this?" And she's like, "And even if you did do it, you should deny it." And he's like, "If the son actually says in kind of a moment of, I don't know, intelligence is like, well, if I did it, I should confess." And the mom's like, "Wait, did you?" And he's like. Of course not. <laughs> Just like, but if I did, you know, I have to. Um, and then she, she like stalks the police officer. Right. And there's yep. like really, there's really good uses of music, like in this part, but then also when later on, when she like gets a clue and she runs to that granny's house to like get the cell phone, there's like such Hitchcockian music that's being played, like to build like the suspense it like really reminded me of Psycho, and I think this movie is kind of like a little bit playing on the, you know, the mother son dynamic. Um, a hundred percent. But that like the music in this is just really like it really puts you in a place and kind of moves the story along. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, doesn't doesn't she try to like bribe the cop? A, a little bit. I don't know. I was waiting for moment she like pulls her sleeve down. <laughs> Is there anything we can do? But what what does she want from him initially, right? Like, but she's just like, is there anything you can do? And he's like, it's over. Like, I don't, you know, he confessed. We found the guy. Like, she just wants him to reconsider or like look at evidence or whatever, you know. And she's just like, he's like, you know, it's it's done. So the person that she suspects that could have also done it was Jinte, her son's friend. And so she like breaks into his house and to try to find some sort of evidence, I guess um, she finds a golf club. She finds the golf club. She does, but you're, you're missing some few things. One, there's the reenactment scene, which like reminds me so much of the memories of murder reenactment. I get, is this a Korean police tactic where they just like take convicted people like people that have like confessed to a crime and take them to the crime scene to reenact it for like the entire neighborhood to watch yeah maybe and then as he as they're doing it he like pulls his mask down and sees mina and they're like just waving at each other like it's like anything which i think is really funny and then in a moment that's like kind of hard to watch the the mother shows up to the funeral for the girl yeah um and this is after she's like handed out flyers saying her son's innocent and it's it's really weird. She like she's fighting with these two people, and there's this woman in the back with a cigarette. And like you think this woman's gonna be important the way the camera shows her, and then all it does is the woman with the cigarette comes up and slaps the shit out of the out of the mother. And then it's not the mother of Mina. I mean, not, it's not the mother of Moon, anyways. No, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, and but the, and then the grandma's just drinking rice wine the whole time, right? She's just like shit faced, and she like throws the rice wine on everybody. It's yeah. a really crazy scene. And then we meet the lawyer. And this lawyer is a piece of work. He's like, 
when I come to a buffet, I never sit down. He's just walking around, grabbing something and eating and standing around the buffet bar. He's too important to to have anything like sitting down and eating, waste his time. Right. And then um and then the lawyer comes to meet the son and he does the temple thing and the son's like, Oh yeah, Jintae kicked the mirrors off. And that's like all he all he could could remember. And and then uh the son is like, Well Jintae hasn't even come to visit me, and this is when she sneaks into Jintae's. Okay, so that's what made her suspicious. Except except there is also one funny scene before that where she goes to her lawyer's office and she's like, I need to see him. And the, the receptionist's like, he's not here. And she's like, his car is outside. She's like, I don't know to tell you, he's not here. As he walks behind her to leave. To leave or to, to come back? No, to leave. He's like leaving out. And she tries to follow him and the other guy grabs her and like legitimately just won't let her go. Like is yeah. holding on to her for dear life. And then it's like, yeah, here's the problem. It's like, you're not paying us enough to do a good job. So that's just like, you know I mean? We need, you know, you need to give us more money and then we get to Chintes, which is like a very tense scene. And there's some sex involved. Like it's got everything. (laughs) It's got action. It's got sex. It's got crime and mystery. Pretty much. So she finds like the, the golf club that he fished out um, when he went back to the country club. And the golf club has what looks like blood on it. Turns out it's just lipstick. Um, but she finds herself in a very odd position where she's in this dude's closet and he comes home with his girlfriend and they have full on sex. And she witnesses the whole thing. And and then they fall asleep and she tries to sneak out. And you have this really weird thing where... It's all these like bottles of like half drunken waters and sodas and stuff. And so she's like going and trying not to knock any of them over. And she knocks them over. She knocks one of them over. And then and and she had the same thought that I had, where if that water touches his finger, he's going to wake up immediately. Um, And I just love like the suspense of her getting out there before him waking up. But then he's like right on her tail like how did he not see her and yes i i understand that she like ducked behind like the trench outside his house but like the way this was shot seemed everything was so immediately after one another i was just like how did he not see her well he was like sleepy and just had gotten done with the sex so you know it was probably like had stuff in his eyes or whatever you know the sleepy (laughs) was in his eyes um and sure, the music, sure. the music's so dramatic as she marches to the police station, and she's like, "I've got this evidence." She has like, she put the uh, the plastic glove on top of the driver just to preserve it, <laughs> and then she gets there. Jinte's there. He's showing a video of his girlfriend kissing the driver, and then a policewoman walks up. She's like, "Do I really have to send this to the lab? Anyone can see this is lipstick." And it's just like this embarrassing moment for the mother who like really can't handle like having to deal with that at this point in the movie is quite interesting because she's embarrassed herself. She's exiled herself from Jinte, right? And it's like everyone is against her. Now, normally when you come to this point in a film, the character is supposed to be vindicated about this in some sort of way. Like, 
oh, she tried, she failed, everyone thinks she's crazy, and everyone thinks she's wrong. And then by the end of the movie, she's going to prove them all wrong, and she's going to come out on top. But the fact that this movie doesn't let her do that, doesn't like, doesn't let her have her moment of like, oh, she was right the whole time sort of thing. I think this is like a very important part of the film where you're stuck with this emotion of her failure and embarrassment, but she, she's never allowed to come out of that. You know, it's funny though. She comes out of that in everyone's mind, but her own, everyone else. That's true. Everyone else sees her. Everyone else sees her as a hero. The woman who didn't give up on her son, who saved his, him from 15 years in jail. And she knows the, the, the truth, which is, you know, the scene on the bus at the end. Um, and real quick, she goes, her lawyer, you know, the, she buys an umbrella from this, what looks to be a homeless guy, but I guess he has a home. Um, and then the lawyer's underling, like, pulls up next to her and says, hey, your lawyer wants to talk to you and takes her to karaoke. And he says, look, I can get your son instead of 15 years in prison. I can get him four years in a hospital. And I'm like, that is honestly better than him just being home four years like in a in a hospital to help him yeah i thought i thought the same thing and she's just like no and then she gets drunk and you have the scene where she comes home and she like sees the back of what she thinks is her son and it's just jinte and he's like yeah you betrayed me and the only thing that's gonna make me feel better is five thousand dollars you know i do want to point out something at this moment is in the very beginning when him and Jinte are talking shit at the country club, he says that he did sleep with a woman and it was his mom. And at that point you think, Oh, maybe he just means like in bed with her. And then later on the cops make fun of him of, of sleeping in bed with his mom, um, sharing a bed with his mom. But he comes home drunk that night, the night of the murder. And he puts his hand right on his mom's boob and she brushes it off. And says, not tonight, it's way too late. And it had me thinking. I don't think I don't think that's what that was. I don't think that's okay. what we're supposed to think. Okay. Because I have a there, headache. <laughs> there is heavy implication that there's like some sort of incest relationship between them. I don't think it's like actual incest. I think it's like incestual, like this codependency, but I don't think, I, no, I don't think they're fucking. No, but you see what I mean? I mean, especially with her saying it's too late tonight. It's just. And, no, I think and... she's just saying it's too late. Like you came home too late. I don't think you're, I don't, I don't think she said not did, tonight. Did, did he put her, his hand on her boob when he went to lie down? Did he? That's not what I saw. I don't, uh, I don't know that it was boob. No, I mean she had she had like a nightgown on, but it was like right. We'll have there. to study the tape after this. I don't. That's not what I saw. <laughs> Evidence. Um, and this is, the, but this is the point where Jinte is at like his most scummy, right? We're just like, this is not a good person. And then immediately, he's like, he's like, hey, there were rumors about this dead girl, and he's like, and then he's like, and there's three reasons people would kill: money, passion, or vengeance. He's like, she didn't have money. So you need to start investigating the people around her. And he's like, the body was put on display. Why would someone do that? Um, and then he's like, he's like, don't trust anyone. Not even me. You know, the cops aren't going to do this. You need to find the killer. And it's really funny. This turn he takes to where like in a second he robs an old lady 
And then like a second later and scenes later, I'm like, this is my favorite character in the movie. Like I love Jinte. Yeah. Jinte turned out to be quite a badass, even though he was wrong about everything. Um, but, but yeah, so it's like almost like the girl was like the perfect murder victim in a way. Right. She had like uh, the skeletons in her closet and people wanting, you know, not wanting them out. So she had this like whole deal where she was like sleeping with a bunch of men in the town uh, for like um, rice wine and cakes. Or was that more of a metaphor? Well, so she she starts this investigation right after, right? And it's like the a mom. great, yeah, the mom does, and it's this great use of montage in the movie. And she gets like a bunch of information which we don't have any idea what it means. Someone calls a rice cake girl. Another kid's like she was dating uh, crazy JP, and another guy was like, no, she wasn't. It's just all this information, right? Um, and then it, the movie immediately cuts, so it's kind of like a whirlwind. Like you don't even know what to do with all that. But the movie just told you everything but yeah. you didn't know what it, you didn't know what it meant and you get the scene where he drop kicks the guy in the jail that called him retarded right and then yep. this r- really interesting scene which like also spells everything out for you because he's like the mom shows up she's like you know why'd you fight he's like you know because you told me if someone makes fun of me and then he's like after the beating i remembered she's like oh what did you remember and he's like when i was five years old you tried to kill me and yeah yeah he doesn't even deny it she's like i was trying to kill us both and at that point you're like oh so she's capable of anything you know i mean you can sort of understand her reasoning of like life is too hard but still like you were going to kill your son and yourself like that's that's craziness um and the son's like don't ever come again i don't want to talk to you and then she goes to her friend right after this and she's like I used weak insecticide. I should have used the good stuff. We would have died. Instead, we just got sick and had diarrhea for three days. Well, at that point, when she was telling that to her friend and she was having a certain picture of him when he was younger, like blown up and like photoshopped to be printed out. Although, did we ever learn why exactly she was having that specific picture? I think he was he looked about five years old so i think she was printing it out just she wanted a good picture from that time when she you know did that horrible thing so you understood that her friend was like very fluent in photoshop to the point where it like led to a memory or or some some sort of information dump where the girl who was murdered and her friend came in to have these specific photos from a, a cell phone printed out yeah, well, the one girl, her the 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 one friend wanted photos printed out, and then this other girl was like, "Hey, can I have photos printed from a cell phone?" And she's like, "Why?" Well, but, but that was to... the girl that was murdered. Yeah, the murdered girl was like, "I want." Yeah, so the first the friend was actually getting stuff printed. Uh, I think she was getting the scar on her face photoshopped off on a picture, and then while she was there, the girl that gets murdered, uh, her last name's Moon, um, was like hey, if I have photos from a cell phone, could you print those? And she's like, yeah, but why would you want that? They'd be bad quality. And she's like, oh, I just, I'd want it. And she gets a nosebleed, which this movie does not show you details that like extraneous details, right? There might be some, but this is like a key detail that we don't understand right. until the very end of the movie, right? Right. Um, but they they kind of walk off and then that's it. And basically this woman tells the mother, she's like, you need to find 
that cell phone. And so she immediately goes to this girl. She tries to get her, um, to, you know, to ask, she asks her about phones or whatever. And the girl's like, oh, you need a pervert phone. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And basically a pervert phone is a phone that doesn't make a noise when you take a picture. <laughs> Which means I have a pervert phone. We all do now. All phones are pervert phones. Uh, so the whole story, um, if I can just make this clear, is that she slept with a bunch of guys. And from the pictures that we eventually do see, it's like every guy in town from like 15 to 80 years old. Like she slept with every motherfucker. And she took I mean, pictures. We, she took like. We saw like five photos, but yeah, it, she took made to believe a lot. <laughs> She took a uh, nudes of all these dudes without Tasteful. their cons- <laughs> without their consent. Now I'm curious: is it because it's blackmail and being like, "Hey, you slept with like a 16 year old," or is it blackmail like, "Haha, your pee pee small"? Well, they weren't naked. I didn't see dick. Did you see dick? Yeah, like some of them from behind were naked. Well, then if you saw their pee-pee from behind, they'd probably be like, yeah, you can show anyone you want that picture. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like... I was hanging low that day. So is I, it just like... Well, well, so what's the blackmail? I don't think it was blackmail. I think it was... I think she probably thought of it as like an insurance plan in case people came after her. She's like, well, I have all these people. I mean, because she's like... She's kind of a black sheep of this town. Her mom, Her mom and dad are like dead and no one cares about her. She's on her own, right? So she's having to sleep with all these guys to eat, essentially. Yeah, rice cakes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the the scene where we get, like, her talking to this girl, the girl, like, says she needs tampons, and the mom goes, and then she comes back, and the girl's gone. And you don't know whether the girl started running away or if these guys started harassing her, but the mom finds the girl in this back alley with basically two dudes about to fucking cut her over this cell phone and i love the way the mom drops a bottle to get this guy's attention and then the guy just has like this fucking like ladle basically that's supposed to be no it has like fire right i think he has like coals it has hot hot coals in them yeah and he just starts taking it towards them he's like you motherfuckers why are you doing this back here um and then the mom immediately goes to jinte and like they're at, they're at this carnival, and she hit, this scene doesn't make sense practically. Right, right, sure, but hold on. Before you get there, those two dudes who run away from the dude with the ladle full of coal end up like on top of a building, like watching the surrounding area to see if the girl that they were harassing leaves the area. And so now the girl's trapped, and the mom wants information, so the mom's trapped. And that's why she calls Jintae and pays him to like beat up these two dudes one thing you have to give the mom credit for is that she knows she's weak like she knows she's like a weak little old lady so like her ingenuity to like get out of situations is quite interesting like the way she kind of figures squirms her way out of things yeah and so but what i was saying is they're all at this basically like this fair not a ferris wheel it's like a merry-go-round so they're in some sort of like amusement park type thing and these guys are already sort of like drunk and like, are they, are they just drunk and passed out or did Jinte already take them there? I felt like he had taken them there and then the I thought he took them there. Yeah. And then the mom's paying her, like paying him like right now. It was, it was weird, but whatever. I think the movies are getting across what it's trying to get across. And then he just comes and like starts beating the shit out of him. 
he separates them and then starts getting information out of this guy. And he gives the mom like a walkie talkie so she can listen in. And the, the boy tells him basically everything we've talked about. She slept with a bunch of guys. She had all of this on her phone. Um, and then the one kid starts joking. He's like, man, that, that freaking retard like took the heat for everyone. That sucks for him. And the guy's like, don't, don't keep saying it. He's like, what about the retard? And he kicks his fucking teeth in. And it's just at this moment, you're like, Jinte, man, like, I didn't want to feel this way about you. So Jinte has the coolest line and he comes out and he's kind of like sweaty and he goes up to the mom. And he's like, ah, oh, I should have been a cop. I'm really good at it. <laughs> and you and I were both like. Yeah, yeah, you are, buddy. <laughs> you might actually be too be too good to be a cop, given what we've seen of the cops in this town. That's true. That's true. But yeah, he he uh, he gets the information out of him, um, and then the mom sits adjacent to the to one of the guys in the Ferris wheel. Um, yeah, the guy who's now who's now missing a tooth, and like the basic thing we get here is he was like, yeah, she talked about wanting to trade rice wine for for the phone. And we immediately, like, basically, all details matter. We're like, oh, we saw this woman drunk earlier. I wonder if that has the anything only, to do with this. The only time we've seen rice wine in this entire movie. Exactly. Yeah. Which I didn't even know it was rice wine. But I was like, I know where she's going. Like, when he said rice wine, I was like, oh, it's, that fucking lady was drunk on rice wine earlier. And yeah, this so is when she... that, like, Hitchcock music, like, kicks in. She goes to the to the murdered girl's grandmother's house to look for the phone. This exchange of dialogue was quite interesting because she was like, the grandmother was drunk. I guess she like, she was like, forget that her granddaughter was murdered. So then our main character, the mom, was like, oh, Moon sent me here to pick up her cell phone. She was like, I sold her cell phone. And then the mom's like, no, you didn't. Why are you fucking lying to me? And she's like, he's like, she's like, oh, okay. So Moon wants the cell phone back. So she she's goes like, that tramp, like, she's like, that tramp always wants it back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hidden in this, like this, this cauldron of rice. Yeah, it's not, it's not. And she didn't just stick it in there. She stuck it deep down in there and had like a, like a cord she could pull it out with. Like really wanting to make sure this thing was hidden. So like. The girl must have really told her, like, this is important to hide this. Um, and she starts looking through the phone and sees the pictures of these men. And at the same time, uh, her son has, like, we're getting flashes of him doing, like, the Temples of Doom thing with his temples, which is just him rubbing his temples, by the way, guys. And uh, he's we get this memory of him walking. And he, as he's following this girl from the night, and he looks in and sees this guy. And it's a face we've seen. It's the guy that the mom bought the umbrella from. The guy who, like, kind of seemed like he was homeless. And the mom goes to the son, and she's, and he, like, he told her this. And then she's looking through the phone, and we get the guy. And that guy who sold the umbrella slept with this girl, too. And now, like, if you don't have any expectations of this movie, you're like, oh, we're fucking close. Like, this yeah. is the guy that did it. It all makes sense. And yeah. the mom goes straight to this guy. And this is, like, such great writing because this guy, it reminds me a little bit of Barbarian, which you need to fucking watch. But this guy is saying dialogue that can be interpreted 
in two ways, right? He could just be right. being friendly or he's like, she, she comes in. She's like, I offer free services like acupuncture. He's like, oh, okay. And he's like, man, it's cold outside and shuts his door. And then is tells her like, hey, you can stay here the night if you want. You can sleep here. And it's like, it's fucking creepy as hell. And we think this guy's a murderer. As you're talking about it, I forgot that he shuts the door and the feeling that I got when he shuts the door. But then it goes away quite quickly once you understand the full context of everything. You don't think about the door being shut and like she's trapped in there with him. You think the door is shut and he's trapped in there with her. Rorschach. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and. Yeah, so do you do you want to go finish it? Like, do you want to complete it, or do you can I, or what do you want? You want to you, you you get in there? Okay, okay. So she's like, yeah, the health department sent me over here to give you free acupuncture. And he's like, oh yeah, if it's free, sure. And she explains the one thing we haven't talked about is that there's a special meridian in the thigh that if you hit it with an acupuncture needle, it makes you forget the bad memories. So she's like, I'm sure only bad ones that only bad memories, though, only bad memories. And she's like, I'm sure you have a lot of bad memories that that you want to forget. And then it comes up where he witnessed a murder and she says, oh, yeah, yeah, the murder that happened to the moon girl, you know, blah, 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 you know, and whatever happened there. And he goes, yeah, but they caught the guy, which is great. Now, here's. Here's something, and maybe you understood this right away. Took me a little bit to like put two and two together. But he's like, yeah, they got the guy. And she's like, yeah, but it's the wrong guy. They're going to release him really soon. Uh, And he goes, oh, no, it's the right guy. I saw him. Now we flash back to when they're reenacting the murder. He pulls his mask down for a split second to say hi to Mina in the foreground is the guy, right? We shift focus real quick. He sees him and he knows this. He's like, that's the guy. He's like, no, no, no. They got the wrong guy. He's like, no, they have the right guy because I saw him kill the moon girl. Flashback to that night. And now we see the whole night from the dude's perspective. Yeah. And it's, it's just really like, I, I, when I saw this for the first time, you're just like, holy shit. Like it's a, it's one of the, if I wish this movie was more seen, more seen, but not talked about until, you know what I mean? Like, I hope it doesn't get spoiled for people because like the reveal at the end of this movie is up there with many reveals. It, it's like why this movie was like kind of one of my favorites of his for a while. And it's watching it again. You can't really replicate it. But that first time you're just like, holy fuck. When when I watch a movie by myself, I'm usually audibly like silent for the entire time. I even if it's like I'm thinking something is really horrifying or really fucking cool or surprising, I'm just kind of like in my head with my exclamations. But as soon as we see that whole thing play out and the rock is thrown back at her, I very loudly went, "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> like no one was around to hear me I, I but it was such a it was such a shock to my system that i had like i had to say something you know also that throw like the chances of that being such a kill shot 
<laughs> like, because you have to hit it dead on, right? It's like a round head and not a perfectly flat rock. You know, it could be a glancing blow or whatever. That thing was fucking nailed. Her. Like, I think probably killed her instantly. I hope so, at least. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a real person that died, but yeah. Um, and so you see this whole thing, and now you know, like, this is what happened, right? Let me ask you something. He says, the old man says that he goes to that abandoned building sometimes to do what exactly? What was he doing there? I think sleep. <laughs> he had some sort of bag with him, like he was mixing stuff up. Was he doing drugs or something? I don't know. I mean, he's borderline homeless, right? Like that shack he lives in. I don't know if he owns that. I don't know how like land ownership works in this small town um, in Korea. But after we see the end of this flashback, the mom stands up and screams that, no, you're wrong. My son is going to get out. And this is when the guy's like, oh, well, no, the the cops have the right guy. I can't let this guy get out. I'm going to call them. And she immediately... So hold on, before you get to that part, this is the part that took me a little bit. I was like, why, if he witnessed this whole thing, why didn't he say something immediately to the police? And it took me a second, but I think I know why. He's kind of a hermit himself, right? He doesn't like to talk to people. He runs a junkyard. It doesn't really involve a lot of people. So he likes to pretty much keep alone and keep to himself. When he saw that they actually had the right dude, he thought, oh, great, shit, my civic duty, I don't even have to do it because they already got the guy. I have, I don't play a part in this. This is great for me. When he realized that there's about like an, and she kept saying, oh, he's about to get out because they have the wrong guy. So he's about to get out. He then realizes like, oh man, I know the truth. And if this guy is legitimately about to get out, I'm the only one that can keep him in. And so that's when he was motivated to be like, Nah, I gotta, I gotta do my duty now. Yeah, he actually even she, he even says she, she's like, no, it's the wrong person. He's like, no, it's not. I saw them. You know, it's a flashback to the reenactment. He's like, I saw him when they reenacted it. Like they have the right guy. You know, I saw him do it, and then I saw him again. I know who they arrested. And um, she then takes the the um, wrench and just hits him over the head, and then basically like caves in his skull, like keeps hitting him. And after like a second, she realizes what she done and starts screaming. She freaks out, right? And it's just like this kind of battle inside of her. Like, is she pure evil or is she a mother protecting her son? You know, whatever. And then like kind of the evil sets in and she just starts burning the place down. There's like a moment of screaming and then like, all right, I got to keep going. You know, I got to keep, got to do what I got to do. Um, but it doesn't stop there because this is the moment where she, after she burns the place down, she walks out of there she walks through the forest, she walks through the field, and this is finally where the movie catches up to what we saw in the beginning with her, like, mentally broken, dancing in the field of wheat. Yeah, and it's it's funny, too. So the uh, apparently that dancing in the beginning was, like, one of the last things added to the movie. It, like, wasn't in the original script. And I think it's, one, it's, like, a cool opening, right? But then, two connecting it to that point, it, like, gives that first dance a whole new meaning because she sort of has her face can kind of be ambiguous what's going on. But then when you see it in the context of what she just did and finding out what her son did and that they're both murderers, um, the son's kind of a manslaughterer based on his mental acuity and and how he did it. But anyway, once you see that, it it gives new context to that dance. Um, 
And then right after this, she just goes back to her life about her business. And she's like, my son's a murderer and he's going to stay in jail. And then the detective shows up and he's like, they found the real killer. It's JP. And for a split second, I thought the dude she killed was JP. And I oh. thought there was some, because I don't think we knew that guy's name. And then they, she, we cut to her in a cop car and there's like just some fast information given to us that like JP's like, Oh, um, he's saying that they were lovers, but we found blood on his shirt. And the one cop's like, you know, blood on a shirt is way better than golf balls. And then the cop says, yeah, and you know, JP thinks so quickly. He he said that the blood is from nosebleeds that she has. And we're like, oh, fuck, we've seen her have nosebleeds. So, like, we know. Um, and then she meets JP, who I think I think very clearly has Down syndrome. And she's, like, basically, like, the only thing she wants to ask, because the cops are like, why are you want to talk to him? And the only thing she asks is like, do you have a mother? Like, do you have parents? Do you have a mother? And then she just breaks down and JP's like, D- just don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. You know, like comforts her as he's being like falsely accused of like murdering his lover, which she also slept with JP. Have you heard JP speak? That dude has a deep sultry voice i know he says like two two words in that thing but man he's also probably packing that thing if you know what i mean so a hundred percent but where did he get the rice cakes he just he he escaped from an insane asylum like a sanitarium or whatever they call it like where did he get rice cakes okay so my my understanding about that is that she slept with him before he escaped like and like what a conjugal he, a conjugal visit or before he went no no there, no before saying? he went there yeah before he went there well and also she and, like she, she probably you know she slept with everyone so like everyone thought you know there's probably a ton of guys who are like this is even the dude who got his teeth kicked in I don't even think he I guess he did probably have sex with her but even he like all these guys thought they were the guy for this girl right right. Right, but actually, you know what? I'm thinking about it now. How did he have her nosebleed blood on his shirt if the last time he slept with her was before he went in? Well, she has nosebleeds all the time. The nosebleeds weren't caused by like a specific thing. She's just a person that gets nosebleeds. No, but he escaped like the same like the same day or the day before that she got murdered. That's what I'm saying. I was just confused on the timeline. Remember, yeah. the cop was like, "Oh, we got so much shit going on. We got this going on. We got this going on, and now you know." JP, the crazy kid, escaped. And as soon as the cop in the very beginning of the movie mentioned about a escaped insane asylum guy, I was like, oh, easy. It's He's going to circle back around, no problem. Well, and one thing we didn't talk about when we see the flashback is like, you know, so the son has this kind of button that you push. Like if you call him retarded, it sort of sets him off, right? Right. And the son says to moon the girl hey do you like guys and so she sort of has this thing of like people call you know basically like referring to her almost like as a slut i guess right like mm-hmm. that set yeah. her off when he said that right and so it's it's just interesting too like that that comparison um the the movie then ends with what i think is interesting and i honestly wish I kind of wished it had just ended with the son walking out and the mom not there. Like, I like the ending that he does fine enough, but I almost think just like 
the son coming out and the mom not really being there because she's kind of like, I don't know, ashamed. And then the fact that Jinte is the one that comes to Jinte comes to pick him up and you're like, you really like Jinte. And then he's driving a new car and the son's like, where'd you get this? He's like, I've made some money recently. It's like, it's his mom's money. It's the mother's money that he used to buy this new car. And then Mina's like, yeah, I've been riding in it every day. Yeah. And they bring him a tofu cake. Yeah, that was that's gross, man. It's like raw tofu. Like that's I mean, as a you know vegetarian, I that's where I draw the line. It's raw tofu. He was fucking going in on that cake too. Now here's the interesting part, and here's like a I have a conflict about this. Right? They passed the junkyard that his mom burned down, and the son's like, what? happened here and Jinte's like oh it burned down and they found the guy die you know died inside and so they go as however old they are do uh they go and they like play in the burned down junkyard shack thing and he finds something on the ground and it doesn't cut to what he found on the ground he finds something on the ground he picks it up he puts it in his pocket right you don't know what it is it's just this like moment that happens cut to the last scene where the mom is like i need a vacation oh wait hold on well i'll jump back and forth because there's a scene in between there that i really want to talk about but in the last scene where he's his mom is like i'm getting on a bus and i'm taking a vacay he pulls out her acupuncture needles and he goes you should be more careful where you leave these and hands it to her and it made me think does he know that his mom fucking murdered that dude? So I thought that at first, but then the more you think about it, this guy's a junk collector. So he, him being kind of the idiot he is, cause you know, is he's like, Oh, you left this somewhere. And the junk collector guy picked it up and took it back to his place. And then that place burned down, but her receiving it, she's like, Oh my God, you know, you know, it's a reminder of what she did and she doesn't really want it. The the other thing that kind of confirms that to me is he's him being stupid is the scene that you want to talk about where they're kind of eating together right before right. they go to the bus station. And um, he's like, you know, I, I think I know why JP would have moved her body up top. It's probably because she was bleeding very badly and he wanted someone to find her so they could take her to the hospital. He's like, the, you know, it's almost like it's like the OJ if I did it. This is what I would have like. The son's like, if I had hit her with a big rock, I would have dragged her body up so someone could find her. You, you know notice I mean? anything about a big rock? Oh well, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, so we're just meant to believe that he he was like literally blackout drunk. He still doesn't remember that he's the guilty one. The mom basically has to live with the fact that she now knows her son's a murderer. She's a murderer and she and no one else knows. So she has to live with this guilt. So the, obviously she has her acupuncture needles back. And so the last scene we see of the scene of the movie is all these women on the bus with her are dancing, having a good time. She takes her acupuncture needle. She sticks it in her meridian point on her thigh that makes her forget all the bad memories. And then she begins to dance. And that's how the fucking movie ends. Which, with all this money she's paid to this lawyer and to Jinte, how does she have money left over to go on this trip? Like, Dude, she's rolling she, in it. How is she so ballin'? Because she doesn't seem to be so ballin'. 
it never did explain like who the father of the son is. So like maybe he left her a great sum of money and life insurance. I don't know. Oh, I think a more, I, th- I think the explanation I would say is this <laughs> under the table acupuncture that she's not supposed to do is what she, oh, she, she has a regular, well. yeah, she has a regular job and then she probably just saves all the acupuncture money. That makes sense. One thing I wanted to say is another theory about the movie uh, Mother that we just talked about, and I, I want to get your opinion on it. On it, um, what if the son didn't kill uh, the girl, and what if the junkyard guy, I don't know, was doing drugs or was mistaken or something? He got his information wrong, and well, he's the killer. And, or if he's the killer, right? Who who knows? And she kills him. And then JP is the one who actually did end up killing her, right? Because he, he was seeing the sun through like broken glass, fogged glass. Like he wasn't in a great mindset either, right? So it could have been, I don't know, whatever. All I'm saying is theoretically could have been JP that killed her. The sun is fine. She thinks that he's talking about her son. In fact, he might be talking about JP. She kills him and burns down his shack, right? So my theory is that what is, like, does it change the outcome of the movie in the sense that it was her son and she killed the guy that the only guy who was a witness to it being her son, or it wasn't her son. She killed the guy prematurely. And so now she has like that on her consciousness. Like she didn't even need to kill the guy. But if it wasn't her son, she probably killed the murderer. So, and she acupunctured. So now she doesn't even remember it. So it's really like a happy ending. I guess it doesn't matter anyways. The other thing I want to say is, and I, if I pronounce her name wrong, I apologize, but uh, Hai Ya Kim is the, the actress that plays the mother. And like one interesting thing I read about this uh, in that interview with Bong Joon-ho, they were like, you know, finding her for this, you know, how important was that to the movie? And he was like, I wrote the movie for her. If she said no to the script, I don't, I'm not even doing it. And she's so amazing in this. Like, yeah. So absolutely amazing. And we didn't even talk about uh, Juan Bin, who we just did, the man from nowhere, who plays that badass character and then plays this dude, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's just like this movie is so good. It sticks with you. And um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Korean films actually might be my new favorite uh, genre. Is it a genre? I think it's just a, of, of places that to place of the, origin <laughs> pr- produces movies. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Mother.